0: Hello, welcome. So today we're doing something a little bit different. I have Cammy on here who I'm going to let her introduce herself, but we're doing a little collaboration between my podcast, not your regular coach, and her podcast. So Cammy, I'll let you give a little spiel about that real quick. Hi,
1: yeah. So my name is Cammy. I'm 18 and I host a podcast about like mental health, eating disorder recovery, and just general life stuff. It's called Spilling Lemonade. And I'm really excited to be here and have this collaboration of Shelby. Yeah, we're really excited. What's
0: What's up, guys? guys? This This is Shelby Shelby, and welcome welcome to Not Your Regular regular Coach Podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we're going to kind of go, since we're on both podcasts, we're going to go back and forth. So I guess first, Cami, can you give a little info about yourself and where you're at and a little bit about your history, and then I'll come in and do the same thing for you.
1: Awesome, sounds good. So yeah, my history is I've lived experience of an eating disorder. I had struggled for a few years. About a while ago, um, a few years ago, I you know entered recovery. I'm not at a place where I I don't really love the label fully recovered, but
0: you know I don't I'm, like that either. Yeah,
1: it feels very restrictive.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Actually, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Why I'm interested. Why do you not like that? Because I would say we're both quote unquote recovered, whatever that means. But I don't also, I also have a hard time being like, yeah, okay. Now you've reached it. Like here you are full recovery. So what's your thought on that?
1: Okay. So there's a few reasons. Number one, I don't like it because I feel like a big part of my eating disorder is perfectionism and I don't want to say that there's like one perfect way oh, I perfectly recovered. Um, and because also then if I have like one bad body image thought, then I feel like a failure because I'm like, no, you're fully recovered. You're not supposed to have these kinds of thoughts. So even though I have no intention of acting on them or, you know, or even though everyone has bad body image thoughts, it becomes like an issue. And then the second reason I don't really love the term is because
0: like, I don't even What does it mean? <laughs> yeah, like, like, exactly, like it's like exactly. Yeah, no, I get it, and I, I think I have the same thing too. Of like, yes, everybody has bad body image days. Like when before I get my period, yeah. I feel like not fabulous and th- like whatever it might be. And so I think yeah, it's a lot of pressure because you're like, oh well, cool, I didn't do this right either, and it's just like not good.
1: Yeah, it's harder like, than explain to people where I'm at in recovery. So sometimes I use it just as like an umbrella. I'm like, I don't like the label, and I don't really use it for myself. But if you have to label it, then yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. So that was a side note. I was just really interested because yeah. I didn't actually know that. So, all right. So you would say pretty much your what, what, whatever we want to call it, We're we're, yeah. we're there. So I guess how did you get there? And then like, what are you doing now?
1: Yeah. So a big part of my recovery, I don't even know how to explain really quickly how I did it. <laughs> I would say that a lot of it was just doing it every day. I did start recovery at a residential treatment center and that was incredibly helpful for me. I really, really needed that and it was mm-hmm. a great place. So for me that was a big part of the I was only there for a month though, like okay. a month and a day or whatever. So the rest of and then I didn't go to any other like there's other residential for anyone who's know like you go and you stay at a treatment center overnight um I didn't go to like follow-up care I just started outpatient after that Mm -hmm. and so I did do a lot of the bulk of my recovery outpatient and honestly just really like focusing on the positives and doing it every day just doing it no matter what really got me to where I am today I kind of did an approach where I guess the term people use is like all in although that wasn't really a term that I knew at the time but doing just a hundred percent every day
0: um which you we were just like, fuck not- it, I'm going for it. Exactly. I was How like, did you I do that. Like, I hear so many people say, I can't do that. I, I kind of did that I- yeah. ish, but I, yeah. How did you get yourself to do that? Like, that's mentally so hard.
1: Uh, yeah. So I actually started in residential, and it started with I was having extreme hunger and, or healing hunger, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, You can only eat at set times. Like everyone ate, you had to eat at these six times a day. And I went over to my therapist. I'm like, I'm hungry. Like, let me eat every day as much as I want. And a lot of that was, and she was just like shocked. She was like, wait, what? And I was like, wait, (laughs) what? I'm shocked. And I was like, and I was like, no, no, I know, I know. But like, because before this, I'd been kind of iffy on completing my meal plan anyways. So she was really hesitant. she was like wait there's no way like you don't even do this like you don't always what and i was like i had this thing overnight where i was like i'm gonna surrender to recovery and but i mean by that is i'm going to turn everything over i'm going to turn my body over whatever happens to my body happens whatever happens to my mind happens whatever happens to my life happens but i need my number one thing my number one goal i need to put a hundred percent of my efforts into a recovery because if i put as much effort into recovery as i put into everything else in my life then it's going to be much better and once i did it it was really hard at first like i started eating at residential pretty consistently like more way more than the six times a day like i would go and grab a bowl of ice cream right before a snack or i would like have four dinners like i'd just keep getting seconds cuz i was really hungry but when i came back I just kind of kept doing it. I made sure I went out with friends every single night and got a milkshake, burger and fries. That was like my staple recovery meal because it really challenged myself. And I would do that. Like I did that every day for like two or three months until, and those were my biggest, like in quotes, fear foods. So then it just didn't, I don't, it was really hard. Like it was so, so hard, but I just had like this, really big belief that like no matter how hard it was that I could do it and that it would pay off and it totally did and once I started to see it pay off then I just kept doing it
0: yes okay first of all I think you're the only person ever to be like can I please eat more in residential how do you (laughs) that's like actually amazing no seriously that's like (sighs) I'm like shocked because how did other people react to that
1: it was so for context we already had some not drama but my meal plan was significantly bigger than everyone else's, and it was like noticeable. Like when we went down on the side at the table, it was very noticeable. <laughs> like we all knew who my plate was, and I already had like people commenting on that, like just kind of cattiness. I I love the people I was with, but there was one girl it was a little bit I don't know. It was probably her eating disorder, but she was just not happy about it. So then when I started eating more, the, the dietitian gave me the go ahead. She was like, "Eat as much as you want." So I would go and eat like two bagels and then like 10 minutes later, we'd have snack. And then 10 minutes after that, I'd have a bowl of ice cream. And we had to really amp up the grocery list for me. (laughs)
0: But it
1: was really, literally everyone there was like, yeah, no, no one does this. This is weird. The professionals were really excited for me. And then I would say my peers were just like, but I don't have to do it too, right? Like that's not... That's not yeah. a group thing, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that didn't affect you? Because like one of the biggest things in res is like competition. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, this girl's doing that. I have to do this better. Dah, dah, dah. So like, how did you just get yourself to be like, all right, well, I'm doing my own thing. So whatever. I really. So,
1: so first of all, the surrendering thing happened. So I s- said I surrendered over my mind. So I surrendered over the competition. I just kind of waved my right flag and said, you know what, I'm going to lose at having an eating disorder, but maybe I'm going to win at having a recovery. And so I switched the prize from being, being the sickest to the prize is now a full life recovery, being happy. And obviously, you know, my brain was pretty distorted. So I wasn't able to hold that 100% of the time. But I just knew that I needed to really tune out everyone else around me and what they were doing. So I just really made I guess the goal recovery, not sickness. Wow.
0: That's like strength <laughs> at its finest, especially in res. That's crazy. yeah.
1: Yeah. It was it was an interesting experience, but it was really cool. And I think because of that, it really helped speed up my recovery. I got to a, a place where I am right now within about a year which I don't think is like, I just recently learned like a few years ago that that's not super common,
0: but, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You went full speed. Okay. So what, what are you doing now? Like, where are you now?
1: So now I'm really working on advocacy. So this actually kind of goes back to on my last day of residential, my therapist gave me this quote just sit on. She was like, you know, I think you're a really inspiring person. I did a lot of writing and speeches while I was in rest to like Mm -hmm. the other clients. I would like give little speeches. (laughs) Um, And she said, sometimes if you heal loudly, other people won't die quietly. And you were the almost the one who died quietly. What are you going to do? And so yeah. I knew I had to heal loudly. So a large part of it was sharing my story and just being really active. So I started my podcast. And then a few months after that, I started a nonprofit organization called um, The Recovered Project that focuses on eating disorders. And then through that, I ended up being in like a Dove self-esteem project, which was in an Emmy-nominated commercial about eating disorders and social media because social media played a really big role. Oh, you were in the Dove
0: commercial? Yeah,
1: I was in the Dove commercial that went... I don't know if it's called... Okay, so (laughs) it's part of... They have this project and they... So they make a commercial every now and then. So they made a commercial in March and then put it out in April. And it's about eating disorders. And so it's about like young people in social media And so it follows this one girl through like content she took growing up. And then at the end, it shows everyone being like, she's in recovery. She's in recovery. She's in recovery from whatever harms social media. Like a lot of it was eating disorders. Mm
0: -hmm. And then they
1: also like interviewed me. And so I had parts of my interview posted on their website and like on their Instagram.
0: Girl, how did you get that gig? Like
1: how did you get that? Um, they reached out to me through my um social like through the recovered project. They asked for the CEO. I was the CEO. And then the rest, you know, I like did an interview or something, asked some questions, and then we didn't really think anything was gonna come of it. And then like three days before filming, they were like, Okay, cool. So your hotel's at this, and <gasps> we're gonna get a car service to drive you here, and you have a fitting at this time.
0: Oh my God. That's so cool. So what does the recovered project do? Like, what are you guys?
1: Yeah. So a goal of ours is a awareness. So we do a lot of stuff through social media, but B we do a lot of communal support. So for a while we were doing peer ran webinars. We don't do those anymore. I think we did five maybe, but those were like a time for just people to come share their stories kind of, who are like in really good places in recovery and then other people could like kind of listen and just get inspired, I guess. Mm-hmm. Another thing we did is we collect, we worked with volunteer centers and collected like handmade cards and sent them out to over 400 patients and residential treatment centers. And then we're only like a less than a year of being a nonprofit. So we're still working on some other projects, but we have some exciting things coming up.
0: You're 18. Yeah. Oh, you're like strong as fuck. Like you're, I don't know what's going to happen, but you're, you're going to do something. (laughs) No, seriously. 18. Did you just start college? I did. I'm a freshman in college. Oh my gosh. How's that? It's
1: really fun. Um, It's actually, so during high school, I had to take off volleyball for my eating disorder because I wasn't allowed to exercise for two years. And then once I was allowed to exercise, I tore my ACL. So then I had to take another year off. So, as college started, I actually joined my college volleyball team, and like I play on the team and everything. So that's been a hoot and a half. It's like volleyball is a big love of mine, so it's been an
0: amazing experience. So, how is it though? Like playing on a sport team? Did you have? Did you ever have like exercise addiction? I
1: did for like two months, and then I just got really tired, and I just. I don't know, my fatigue was greater than my exercise addiction, which I don't think is normal. <laughs> but when I went into treatment and I wasn't allowed to, I just never really... It was, I was like, okay, I'm tired anyways. And I just kind of stopped. But th- then I developed like a fear of exercise. So then I was like completely afraid of it. So that was towards the end of my eating disorder. And then once again, once I started eating and stuff, ration came to my brain. I wasn't that afraid of it anymore. So... I haven't really struggled very much with thoughts around like negative thoughts around exercise. And also because I did take three years off, I recovered fully before I ever went back to exercising. So I never had thoughts around. I don't struggle with any of that.
0: Wow. All right. So now we're in college. Where do you go? I go to my local community college. It's just ABC. Okay. And oh my God. Okay. So there's just like a lot happening here. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you go to your local college. Everything you you feel like you're in a really strong place. Do you think that you're going to work eventually in eating disorders, or do you do you see yourself doing something with this? You know, for the rest of your life. I mean, that's like oh. a pretty insane question, but you know,
1: no, for sure. So I actually forgot to mention. Then in September, I went and spoke at a congressional briefing about mental health legislation with the Eating Disorders Coalition. That was another thing that I'd, I'm I'm working a lot on advocacy, but also I do want to be. Um, an eating disorders dietitian. I'm studying nutrition right now. Um, I want to work one-on-one with people with eating disorders and I want to work at like a high level of care, like a hospital or residential, but preferably residential. But I also do want to continue advocacy. So I did do, I shared my story to Congress at like this congressional briefing on Capitol Hill and I went and met with a bunch of like senators or whatever. And I also got to be with all these amazing people from the Eating Disorders Coalition, like researchers and CEOs, I was so thankful they asked me to do that. It was just a one-in-lifetime opportunity, and so that really opened my eyes. That in the dev commercial, so that I also want to like do advocacy. So I'm doing some other speaking things coming up.
0: Bro, I feel like you're going to be a huge part in the community. Event like <laughs> 18 years old, going strong. This is amazing. Why, Thank you. That, why did you decide to be a dietitian, though, instead of like a therapist? Because low-key, everybody hates the dietitian. Is yeah. that why you're doing it? Because you're like, I want to like change that? No, I
1: adored my dietitian, and that's why. So I had a truly amazing therapist at residential. But right before that and right after that and during that, I had three different dietitians in a row. Like before residential, during the residential, and after. All three were these amazing human beings. And the by the first one, I was like, oh, okay, like I really clicked with him. He was a big role in me fighting my eating disorder. And though we had some times where we weren't very happy with each other, I always looked forward to seeing him. And then my second one, uh, she was equally as amazing. She was the one who gave me all the freedom to just eat. And that I really needed at the time. I don't think I would have gotten where I was had my dietitian said, no, you can only eat six times a day. Um, And then my final one was an outpatient dietitian. And she was just so informed and so understanding. And we got to challenge food together. I'm like a foodie now. So I also like that I would get to eat during like work. That would be cool. Um, So... I've explored the option of becoming an eating disorders coach. I'm yeah, kind I of gonna, exploring all my options.
0: I was going to say, if you, I feel like you'd be an amazing coach. And if you like to do things like that, like if you think it, it was helpful to eat with your dietitian or I don't know, you might be really good at that.
1: Yeah. So. That's something I think I'd like, because I really want to like develop a relationship with the people I'm working with.
0: Yeah. That's like my whole job. <laughs> it's yeah, like developing a relationship. Yeah. I'd actually
1: love to hear, um, more about like I didn't know very much about eating disorders, coach. Before uh, I'm friends with one of your clients, so and I was like, wait, what's a coach? I never had one of those. And then she was telling me, and I was like, wait, I a Shelby. Why didn't I get a Shelby?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was okay. So I don't really know. Sometimes I'm like, how did I like what? How did I get here when I'm like eating Chick Fil A in the car with a 14 year old? I'm like, <laughs> what? Like what? I just this wasn't my life plan, but I. I really love it, and kind of similar to you, I want to eventually do something on a larger scale. Um, I'm just not exactly sure necessarily what that exactly looks like right now. Um, but yeah, so I I re- have recovered, or you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, a couple, I would say, like I think it's been like six years, which is crazy. Um, oh wow! I was a little
1: <laughs> sly I- or whatever.
0: I was a little older uh, when I got it. So I was like your age right now when it started happening. Uh-huh. So it was like college was awful. Um, you know, the whole thing and it kind of, my eating disorder kind of went like up and down into all different types of eating disorders throughout the yeah. years. This is like the quickest version ever, but we don't, you know, I don't want to like tell the whole life story and <laughs> and everyone's like, okay. Um, I, after college was in like a really bad relationship. And so that kind of, and then I actually, I moved in with him um, at 22, which probably wasn't my best um, choice, but then that kind of like just set it off even more. Um, And unfortunately the person I was in the relationship with was kind of not like encouraging it, but definitely not, not encouraging it. <laughs> so um, yeah. that just kind of made it a little bit harder. And then, yeah, one day I just like literally had a mental breakdown. Like I had a million mental breakdowns, but there was like the breakdown of all breakdowns and I was just like I literally can't do this anymore cuz I I was what 25, 20, i 33 now so I was like 20 25 26 and I was just looking around everybody like I had a job that was just not what I wanted to do. It was just basically Convenient that I had. I worked from home and then I could kind of just do all the eating disorder things I wanted, but I didn't actually want to do that job. And so I just realized, like, I'm not happy in this relationship. I'm not happy with my job. I live in the middle of nowhere because I had followed him to school. I was just like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know how to fix my life because at that time I was like, I'm 26. Like, I'm so old and my life is over. And <laughs> And so I was like, all right, girl, well, I don't know how to fix my life, but I'm going to try and fix this. And if it doesn't work and I don't feel any better, it's not like a permanent decision, but this is the only thing that I can control right now. I can't quit my job, like move to Arkansas. Like like there's just, I have to start somewhere that makes sense. And so I did everything outpatient and then I had an amazing therapist that was Life changing, and she just like really helped me. And then once I started to get a little bit better with food, I realized, no, I actually like literally don't know what I'm doing with my life, and this is not it. Um, and so it was really, really helpful for me to then start making other changes in my life. That sounds like, yeah, I just decided one day that I hated everything, so I was going to recover. Obviously, it's not easy like that at all. I think that was just the catalyst that I needed. Um, so flash, flash forward, I applied to be, I applied to get my master's and I had talked to, I had like missed the date for, um, submission or whatever application. And they were like, Oh no, it's okay. And they had interviewed me on the phone and all of these things. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm getting in. Like, this is amazing. And then I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was like a pretty, it was a pretty prestigious school. So I I don't know. I probably in that moment was still like in my perfectionist era. So I was like, I need to go to the best school. And so then I was like, all right, well, I have to wait at least another semester to apply again. And I had heard about the coaching program on another podcast. So I looked into that and applied for that. And at that time, literally coaches like weren't a thing because I think this was like 2018 oh yeah
1: I feel like they're still relatively new like people are just now understanding what it is
0: yeah and there's not even that many of them so yeah I was like not to be like I'm amazing but I was like one of the first (laughs) but you are (laughs) I was like one of the first and so I didn't have any clue what I was doing like think about it it's like a totally new job nobody knows what it is everyone like I remember when I first started I think I had a couple virtual clients and it was like friends of friends or people that knew people that needed help and um yeah I like really didn't know what I was doing so I started off as like okay we're going to go through this exercise and we're going to talk about like how your relationship to food is like blah, blah, blah. and I think in some ways that was helpful because I did a lot of those things in recovery but I just like felt I don't know. It just like didn't feel right for me. So I actually moved from Connecticut to Los Angeles in 2020. And I started getting like in-person clients because there's a bunch of residentials and, and a yeah. lot of well, them... It's,
1: it's LA, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a lot of them were coming out of residential. And that's kind of how I got like connected to them because the it was new for people coming out of res and they were like all right well let's try this so then i realized i really only want to work with teenagers in like mid 20 to mid 20s it's just like i don't know i just relate to that age group better and then it just like kind of all changed like i started instead of doing like okay let's go over the book i was like all right let's go out to get ice cream or like let's talk about this and obviously that sounds A lot easier than it is because most people with an eating disorder don't want to do fear foods Um, but most of the clients that I work with obviously they're trying to get better and they want help so now I guess if you're like everyone's like okay so what is coaching it's kind of different for every single person but for me I would say it is a way for me to connect and gain like trust, I guess, but also just be able to support in a way that I think other people on the team can't. And what I mean by that is like your therapist can't come pick you up and be like, let's go get chicken tenders. You know, like that's just not is not a thing. Um, and so I can. So I'll do things like that. It's not always eating. Like it's really not. I've gone shopping with people. I've gone on vacation with people. Like it's just really having that support of somebody who has done it. Like, it's really hard for I, I always think I'm like, I think it's really hard for people who haven't had an eating disorder to work in this space because it gets so it can be so frustrating if you're just like, I don't understand why you can't just eat this or like, what's wrong? why are you, you know, and and so for yeah. me, I'm like, no, I I get it. Like, I totally get it and it sucks. But also, I know that this is what you have to do. Like there's no way around it. So yeah, so I started doing things like that a lot in person and I really loved that. So it kind of just evolved into kind of like really unique situations to what anyone needed. Um, I started to do live-ins, which is literally living with someone like 24-7 for an extended period of time. Kind of like, it's not like res in home, it's more like PHP in home and trying to like acclimate people back into life, which is my favorite part about this. I'm definitely not the person who's like, wants to just talk about food 24 seven. I I don't, I would much, 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 much rather talk about life and like helping with those types of things. Obviously I'm not a therapist, but just like life conversations about relationships, friends, like all of that stuff ties in. Cause when you have an eating disorder, your self-worth is so low. So it's like, how do I help hype these girls up? And that's kind of where that's kind of where I am right now. It's just like, do we need to make a TikTok after you eat a fear food because you need a distraction? Do we need to, like, run into the ocean? Like, I don't know. I'll do anything for, for the most part. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, my gosh. OK, I have so many thoughts and questions. I was literally keeping a notes app open so I could ask them. So the first one's just a comment. My jaw dropped when he said you said you're 33. Girl, you're saying young. I was like, you didn't know I that. You were like 22,
0: 24. Oh no, girl! I'm thirty three. I'm like a full grown adult. You are wow.
1: <laughs> I I really hope I aged that one. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I also like act like
0: s- I'm like ten, so like that yeah. also I think contributes.
1: Well, you have like the maturity of the thirty three year old and like the life experience. So that I was like, well, that makes sense. I think it's just like when I've seen pictures of you, I'm like, oh, you seem really like youthful.
0: You know what? Thank you because I think. But well, that's like, this is also weird, but I think that's also why I can relate to younger girls because it's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm like, you know, honestly, you know, I, sometimes I think I'm like, I think I'm living out my years that I never got to live. So it's like, kinda, sure. it's like kind of interesting when I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like I, I've been to college, I've like gone to college with people for a couple of days or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, this is how the experience was supposed to be. So it's really interesting because I, those years for me, like 18 to 25 were terrible. They sucked. So now I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want other people to do that. Like, I don't, I really don't want other people to wake up and be all of a sudden 25 years old and they're like still in it.
1: Yeah. So that, that makes sense. And then my other thought that I really want to share was just how strong you are through your story. I think it, I mean, I believe fully that anyone who recovers from an eating disorder is like incredibly strong, but then to go into that line of work and to really like help people and especially what you're doing, kind of paving the way for other people to help in the same way you are. I don't know. I'm just really impressed. Like you're someone I want to look up to. So that was really cool. Oh, Um, I feel like
0: I want to look up to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, seriously. If I was eighteen and doing this <laughs> so shit, sweet. like it would, the world would be over. Like it's over. So I, like, I feel like, watch out, bitches, because you're gonna like take over, and it's gonna be great.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, no, but even in listening to you talk, I'm like, oh, like that sounds really interesting. Like, I'd love to talk separately sometime. And you know, this is definitely something I want to explore as a career path. So that was really cool listening to, because I think that sounds really helpful. Like thinking about where I used to be, of like building that trust and that relationship and hearing someone with lived experience and, you know, being able to like have those fun moments. I even I follow your TikTok and I always love that you do TikToks because I think it like is a way to from how I see it is like, I was like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, connection and a way to relate. And I don't know, I think that's really cool. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of good in the world. And so that's really cool because I think that this community needs a lot of good. So I don't
0: know. Thank you. I could say the same for you too. I think it's just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very like when people say, okay, this is how you should do this. This is how you should do that. These are like the rules. I, I'm like, why? No, I don't want to do that. I'm very like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm very, I want to, it's not like, it's not even in a controlling way. Like I want to do things my way. It's more like, why would I do something that doesn't feel right to me? And so I think that's been, kind of hard too because a lot of people are like what is she doing um but i don't know like it just works it just works when you feel authentic and not like all right today we're gonna talk about duh, blah, blah. like I, I think that's helpful but like for me that's just not what it like that's not my best use of my abilities i think
1: yeah i don't i don't know to say I'm like, I'm like speechless it's just really oh my cool God. listening to you talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> like, I don't have to go that far, but all right. So obviously you and I have had a lot of like a much different path. And even when I was 18, like I, like I kind of said, it was just starting. Um, but I obviously didn't go to res uh, and that wasn't even really by choice. I, I, I genuinely think, well, I'm sure if somebody would have said to me then, like you're going to residential, I would have had a fucking meltdown because you know, yeah. obviously to me, that means like, I have no control over anything. I'm going to gain weight. Uh, like, but I also might have, I sometimes wonder had I had gone, if this wouldn't have gone on for so long. And I'm kind of like you in the sense that when I decide, okay, I'm done with this, like I will be done with it. Um, So I wonder, I always do wonder, I'm like, if I had gone, I wonder if it wouldn't have gone on so long. But at the same time, as like messed up as it sounds, I'm still happy that it happened the way it happened because I kind of got like a lot of I don't experience that sounds really bad, but in order to be able to like help more people, so I know you said that you loved Res, and do you think you could have gotten better without it?
1: That's a really hard question. So when I went, I pretty much had to recover when I, I don't know how to phrase this. Probably being triggering, I I had to recover when I was going to, and. Things were not going well in my life. I don't know if I could have made the right choices on my own or it was like the inspiration aspect of it. So when I got there, I immediately felt really inspired. I was in a super pro recovery milieu, which is like the other people, clients. And so I was really inspired by the people I was around. I think it was like right time, right people.
0: Did you ever have the, it's not worth it to get better. I don't want like, what's the point? I don't have any, I don't have anything that I like, did you ever go through that phase?
1: Oh, yeah. So I was diagnosed with an eating disorder. And then I didn't even attempt to start recovery for another year. So yeah. there was a lot I wasn't even in classy. like I was just not in recovery. And everyone around me knew that. Um So there was definitely a lot of time where I like, I was definitely not always open to, reco- I wasn't even open to it. Like, it wasn't even like something I thought I could do that it was something I was strong enough for, that it wasn't going to be worth it, like how you said. And so I definitely struggled with like feeling like, but is it really worth it? And finally, I think the thing that, and I and ta- I talk about this a little bit in a book that I'm writing, but is I had to take like a leap of faith in the sense that everyone around me was telling me it's worth it. Everyone around me was telling me that my brain was lying to me, but how it's hard to understand that your brain is actually like playing tricks on you. And so I think right, it, was it a big feels ma-
0: real. It's like reality. It's your reality. Yes.
1: It's it is. It's how it's your reality and how you perceive things. So it was like taking a big leap of faith and by faith I mean really trusting everyone else and not me to say, okay, you're not in a good space right now. And yeah. I don't think it will be worth it, but everyone else says it will. And I just had to trust. And then also that I don't think this is like a permanent thing, that helped because I obviously afterwards you have to work through this. But one thing a therapist started with me is just try it. You know, you don't have to, you can relapse as an option. Like obviously the once you get in, it's, you know, you don't think about it like that, but just to start recovering to get past that point, I remember thinking, okay, I'm just going to try recovery. I'm going to give it my all for like two months and just see how it goes. And then luckily after those two months, I was like, it wasn't even all that better. Like I was still struggling. But I was like, okay, but even recovery is better than an eating disorder. So obviously, I'm going to stay in recovery, and you know, I'm already two months in. I'm not going to like have to restart again. So I think that's kind of how I combated like the not feeling like it was worth it. Was just doing it anyways, right?
0: Like, okay, it's maybe it's not worth it, but mm, I'm just gonna at this yeah. point. What could really be worse? <laughs> like, that's kind of yeah. I. That's kind of where I was too. Okay, so yeah. I want to end this by. Maybe you tell me like your craziest res story, whether it was a, you know, obviously we don't need names, but whether it was about you or someone else, yeah. and then I'll say my craziest coaching story. And okay. I just love crazy stories. So what do you think? Is there something that comes to mind that was just like really interesting that happened in res? I,
1: I did like leave res, but like not allowed. Like it will. Okay. Um, and that was a whole event, but that was the day I chose recovery It's July 1st. And I marked July 1st that day. So I got really pissed off. We were doing this group where like, you see what your privileges are. And I was like a weekend. So obviously I didn't have any. And I got pissed and I just bolted and I went and hid in a bush and all the cops came. And then finally I'm in this bush and I'm like, damn, this isn't like, this is wild. Cammy, like really? Like you got to recover. Like, (laughs) this is like, what are are you doing? What are you doing? So I literally just got out of the bush. I lost both <laughs> my shoes. Like I was like half naked. Like it was a, it was a long story, but I'm like waving down the people and I'm like, here, can you give me a ride back to that house over there? And it was the cops that like, they did. And, and then I just went on with my life and my therapist was really understanding. And she was like, well, don't do that again. Um, But I would actually say when I tell people that that is like, it was in that bush So that I decided that's when I had that, like, I'm going to surrender to recovery moment. In the bush. In a bush. Yeah. Like hiding from my therapist as she's like calling my name.
0: So I would say that. It's kind of like the reality of the situation of you didn't just go to res and be like, yay, here we go. Like you were like, no. Yeah. And then you were like, what am I doing? I'm literally sitting in a bush. Like, wh- like what am I doing with my yeah. life? Um, oh my God. that's No, funny. I
1: went very not much um, willingly <laughs> and did not want to be there. It was really like that moment. And then afterwards, like, I had this really good talk with my therapist, and that was like, she was like, Really? Like, do you want to go hide in bushes for the rest of your life? And I was like, (laughs) No.
0: Yeah. Okay. I love that. I've always wondered what happens when people run away. It's like you hear that happening, and that is just, oh my God. I can't even imagine the like chaos that that ensues. Um, Oh, well, no, it ensued a lot because
1: I started a trend, and then four other people ran away on different days. Oh, no. Oh, no. So I kind of, not To claim a trendsetter, but not a good trend, but not a good trend. Don't do this,
0: don't do this, kids. It doesn't work, girls. They're gonna come, it doesn't after work.
1: You. There's big consequences. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I love this story. Um, <laughs> let me think. Okay, so I, I mean, I have like a bazillion crazy stories. I've kind of told a lot of them on the podcast already, but okay, one thing that's coming to mind is uh, there was so when I first started coaching, I will say, I did not know what the word boundary meant and i was like oh i'm gonna do anything for anyone and so i did pretty crazy things like i would drive people three hours away to get a specific type of acai bowl which like isn't that's not like a funny crazy story but that's just like insane Think about that now um and then there were certain times too where (laughs) there was a 13 year old um and we were eating i don't know what we were doing we were eating at i don't know some some restaurant and I got up to go to the bathroom and I came back and she was in my car with the keys like driving my car. And, what? and she's 13. And I'm like, oh my God, this is not good. And so I'm like, stop, stop, like get out, whatever. And she's she's not stopping. And I was like, girl. And I'm like chasing her out. It's like so bad. Like I'm like screaming, chasing her. And she thinks it's like hilarious. And so that was a real treat. I ended up getting my car back. But that was really interesting i mean there's been so many things like people have done wild shit to like try and get past me um yeah i mean i've almost had people run away from well in live-ins it's like kind of different they don't necessarily run away but they're just like doing the shadiest shit and then so that's all (laughs) that's all like yeah i'm sure i'm sure everyone listening to this knows that you know you can get real creative um but i mean there's been so many things like also with live-ins i i said this in my podcast with lily like we got our car towed three times like we got into some (laughs) like i don't even know how this happened but we ended up with like a drug dealer helping us get our car back and oh
1: oh my god (laughs) it was like
0: not safe and it was in miami too which is like double not safe but it's like the craziest shit because my life is crazy like in general i just feel like really weird stuff happens to me and oh yeah i mean and so then it kind of like feeds on to the like it happens with the clients sometimes and it's like sometimes i'm like what is going on like i've been locked out of the house or we've both been locked out of the house and had to sleep in a garage like and i'm like why is this happening and so i get really frustrated in the moment but now i'm like you know what this shit can keep happening because this really makes it interesting. And also like, what's more of a distraction than having to walk the streets of Miami with a drug dealer to get your car back. Like in that moment, you're not even right. thinking, you're not even thinking about food. Um, no. yeah, that was, that was interesting. And honestly, anyone listening to this, like that doesn't sound safe. We genuinely didn't have another option. Like it was this, that's a whole story, but it was like a fake towing company that took the car. We couldn't get it back. And it wasn't even our car. Like we were literally desperate. Car. Like we were like at this point, what, like, what, what else could really go wrong? Because um, he had had his car taken away too. So it was just crazy. But he actually was like super funny and nice. Like he was, <laughs> he was actually really funny. Um, yeah. So I mean, I don't. I, I, there's so many things I could say, but I love that shit. Like I love drama. I mean, it sucks in the moment, but I think it's just so funny when shit like that happens. I don't love my car being stolen cuz like that's <laughs> probably not the vibe and low key like not okay in so many ways. Um but yeah, I mean like that's the thing about coaching it really. It really keeps it interesting. All right. Well, I guess we can thank each other for being <laughs> a part yeah. of this cuz I know we're both, you know, this is kind of for both of us and for anyone listening, I know this is like the most cliche annoying thing ever, but genuinely like these stories are so empowering and you know Cami, your story is really empowering because it, it's like that taking that leap of like all right i'm doing it is so hard so hard and so like i said i think you know you're 18 like it's over like it's over so everyone watch <laughs> out because we're going to take over the world
1: <laughs> absolutely <laughs>